When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast, and to our annual Super Bowl Championship Edition, or at least it seems that way. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. On today's show, beat writer Jesse Newell breaks down the Chiefs' title game thriller, the 25-22 overtime victory over the San Francisco 49ers. We look at the game's key players, moments, and decisions, but we also look ahead, not just at the parade, but what lies beyond. The Chiefs soon will have some big decisions to make about key players like Chris Jones and Legereus Sneed. And what about the team's legacy? Andy Reid said that's up to us, you know, media types, to decide. So we take a stab at it. Let's get started on what we're calling the final Chiefs podcast of the 2023 season. The next one will kick off the 2024 quest. Just us. We're the only ones left. Yeah, everybody is bugged out of Las Vegas except for Jesse and I. And Pete Granhoff is still in town, but he's staying at a at another place. I don't know about our photographers. I I think some left and some are leaving on Tuesday, like we are. Of course, this is being posted on Tuesday. We're recording it Monday night. Uh, let's see, was it about twenty four hours ago? Um, the Chiefs? No, a little bit longer than twenty four hours because the game went overtime. Um, Seventh longest game in NFL history. How about that? 25-22, to 22, the Chiefs beat the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 58. That's the, you know, let's get that on the record because that's what happened and that's why we're here. And uh, Incredible game, incredible drama. And I, I don't know how many of the 75 minutes – Played in the game that I thought the Chiefs were going to win the game, but I think it was less than half of the 75, especially the way things started for Kansas City on offense. Just uh, a lot of stalling, a couple of three and outs, a lot of Tommy Townsend, uh, who had a great game. We're going to talk about players who had great games, and he was one of them, but uh, uh, I don't know. I, I wasn't, wasn't overly confident once the game started and once it became established that the 49ers were going to be a physical, fast team, I wasn't very confident in the Chiefs. Yeah, we saw some of the worst qualities of the Chiefs from earlier in the season, early in the game, and then we saw the best qualities flip at the end. And I just think early on we saw Mahomes was a little hesitant and he wasn't trusting either his receivers or his blocking or his reads. And really, throughout the course of the last few weeks, what we've seen is a very decisive guy and a guy who, talking to Chiefs coaches like Matt Nagy, the offensive coordinator, David Girardi, the quarterback's coach, Joe Blameyer, the pass game coordinator, he's really turned himself into a guy that just completely trusts in the offensive system and is willing to say, okay, if, if the Chiefs put two receivers in an area and they cover the deep guy, throw it short and take the five or six yards and continue moving. And again, early on, it didn't look like that. There was too much holding the ball, 
not trusting whatever was going on, a lot of sacks, and he doesn't take many sacks. Or short runs, you know, when he gets flushed. Exactly, and so uh, it did, at that moment, it's kind of thought, okay, this the Chiefs have reverted to maybe what we saw from them earlier, and not this crazy run they've been on, but um, I tell you what, <laughs> this, is, this is nuts now. I mean, back-to-back is nuts. What Patrick Mahomes did on the last drive is nuts because if you go back and talking to Joe Blymeyer in the block room after the game as the players are singing we are the champions and spilling <laughs> champagne all over the place and uh, smoking cigars all those sorts of things he talked about that two-minute drive just a per- perfect encapsulation of what we talked about Blair which is how did the Chiefs march the ball down the field they did it in short passes mm-hmm. I mean they did not get these big chunks and the a, a younger quarterback, a less experienced quarterback, heck, maybe even a good quarterback gets in that situation, maybe hasn't been there before and goes, i got to get this all back. i got to get it all the way down there. Mahomes didn't do that. He took the, took the short ones, took the short ones, took the short ones. When the 49ers did bring pressure on third downs, he hit uh, the crossers like Travis Kelsey running the fastest he's run in seven years and just showed great maturity. And so um, it's amazing. You know, looking at some of these things, I saw that uh, DraftKings put out a stat today about if Mahomes plays as long as Tom Brady, what will his stats look like compared to Tom Brady's? And um, we're starting to use the D word now, dynasty, obviously, with this Chiefs team, three and five years. But now the potential for what it could become. Um, wow. I, I, All right. I, just hold, I, hold, hold it. We're going to hold do it later. Okay, okay. We're, we're going to use the legacy <laughs> in a second. But I want to – the last, the, there's so much to get into in the game, but the, you, you brought it up, the overtime drive uh, and, and the short passes. Mahomes was 8 for 8 for 42 yards. Jeez. That speaks exactly to what you were talking about. And he, and he rushed for 27 yards. I, I wrote this on Super Bowl Sunday and talking to all those guys, but the comparison you hear is Tom Brady. You know what I mean? And Mahomes, it's like the most effective way to win. He can throw it down the field. We saw him throw it to McGarden. Like He has all the physical tools. He can do these crazy things. But like for this group and for this defense and for this team and for when they had to simplify things late, they really did need him to be Tom Brady. They needed him to play like an older quarterback, and he had the maturity to do it. And he had the maturity to do it in the Super Bowl, and he had the maturity to do it after it didn't work early. And he had the maturity to do it on the game-winning drive when, again, the 49ers were kind of flooding things backwards and saying, kind of daring him to take a shot to end the game with an interception or a bad play. He didn't make it. And so, uh, yeah, that's it's a credit to the Chiefs. Again, it's a credit to the defense. Uh, let's, let's, let's give them all the credit, too, because um, Mahomes wouldn't have that opportunity if the defense didn't continue to step up against uh, what we talked about, the 49ers offense, which was uh, the best, according to DVOA, going into the game of any team out there. So uh, a lot of people to go around to say, great job, but... I'll tell you what, it just, Blair, we've been around it for 20 years in Kansas City. It was always what's going to go wrong in the playoffs. <laughs> and I just, you talked about half the game not feeling like the Chiefs are going to win. And we talked a couple days before about, hey, if the Chiefs are up three and the defense is on the field, you'd probably rather have that because the, the Chiefs haven't had the fourth quarter drives this year. And then you snapped into it and you saw the Super Bowl and you thought, you saw what Mahomes was doing and you're like, this is another level. Whatever can go right is going to go right for the Chiefs. And sure enough, down the stretch, everything that needed to go right on offense for them went exactly according to plan. And it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like the 49ers felt it, the Chiefs felt it. In the end, the Chiefs held up the Lombardi. Let's talk a little bit about all the things that went right after the Mahomes interception early in the third quarter. That was the first possession, I believe, for the Chiefs. That's how it ended in the third quarter. Um, and and then uh, up until the till the end of the game because a lot of things had to go right. First of all, um, 
I, I thought the next stand, the defensive stand for the Chiefs was really important here. Yeah. 49ers get the interception. They're in Chiefs territory. They end up having to punt away that possession. And the score stays ten to three. Um, I, I I thought that was I thought that was the first kind of momentum, a little bit of a momentum swing toward the Chiefs. The second one, special teams, which I thought had an outstanding day all around. Uh, we probably wouldn't get to a normal course of conversation, so let's just give Harrison Bucker a shout out for his Super Bowl record, fifty-seven yard field goal. It's so mean to let Jake Moody's record stand for all of like 12 minutes, you know? Like, let the guy have some love a little bit here. Right. What was amazing about that was the high snap from Winchester to Townsend had to get it down and then Butker hits a line drive 57-yard field goal. You remember about 14 months ago when Tommy Townsend had all the problems with the holds? Yes, yes. I mean, has he completely erased those or what? It, he Absolutely he did. That was a very, as Dave Tobe said, an unsung hero of the game. He had to stand up, Tommy basically. And, and Winchester's been consistent all year. I don't think he's had one that bad, and uh, that was yeah. a great way to get that down. So defense gets the stop, and, and, um, and the defense plays really well. Special teams, you know, I talked to Dave Tobe after the game about this. The Chiefs get a, a fumble recovery on a punt. The Chiefs have been terrible at recovering fumbles. I, you know, it, it seems illogical to even say this because a fumble is such a 50-50 proposition. But the Chiefs, for whatever reason, and maybe some of it is their their desire to scoop and score instead of just fall on the ball. But in the Super Bowl, they fell on the ball twice. George Karloftis uh, to end the 49ers' first drive after Leah Schnell popped the ball out of Christian McCaffrey's arms. And then I thought that maybe the single biggest play of the game, the fumble recovery by Jalen Watson to um, to set up the Chiefs at the 16, next play Mahomes to MVS, touchdown, and the Chiefs take their – the Chiefs, who I thought had been getting so outplayed in this game, now take a 13-10 to 10 lead and – it's a coin flip game. Maybe in some people's mind, I, I'm thinking at, at this point, I think the Chiefs are going to win because they have the better quarterback. So I'm about to tell you all the advanced stats just back up exactly what you said. For one, um, we can talk about luck in football a lot. Now people get upset about, hey, you create your own luck, those sorts of things. They call it fumble luck for a reason. Like over time, you recover 50% of your fumbles. And so the Chiefs, like you said, it had not swung their way this year. This game, it definitely did swing their way because they lost a few that they got back. In this game, oh, but in, uh, including including bad snaps from from Creed Humphrey that go down as fumbles. Yes, f- recovering your own fumble. Yeah. that's why Mahomes set a Super Bowl record for most Fumble fumbles recovered. Re- recovered because of those are the bad snaps. Well, I know uh, Rasheed Rice had one that popped in the hands of Justin yeah. Watson. I mean, these are plays we don't think about right. because they don't end up mattering. But uh, the other thing I was going to say, you said one of the biggest plays of the game. I'm looking right now at the you know win probability cal- calculator. Uh, at rbsdm.com, uh, Ben Baldwin's site that he runs, and 5.9 expected points. Uh, the number mm. one play of the game was the recovered fumble by the Chiefs in that particular play. And this sort of speaks to me about what the Chiefs have had go wrong for them all year, which is they outplay a team, they outplay a team, they outplay a team, and then there's the three plays we're all talking about. There's the, the bad interception, the fumble that happened, and then the, you know, the guy that doesn't catch the deep pass. And all of a sudden you're talking about 14 or 15 or 16 points in a game that you dominated by 10 and you end up losing the game. And so at an opportune time, obviously the Super Bowl, uh, the Chiefs did get a little bit lucky in the sense of recovering these fumbles or they at least turned a trend that had gone against them this year. But I agree with you that special teams play, uh, things were not going right for the Chiefs at that moment. And right after that, the tide really did turn. All right. So we get to the end of regulation. Uh, the 49ers and Chiefs trade field goals to make it 19 all. 
at, at the end of regulation. Um, decision time for uh, the team that wins the coin flip. And uh, we have new rules for playoffs, overtime rules, because of the NFL being so mad at the Chiefs, who in the 13-second game against the Bills went down, scored, uh, a touchdown. scored a touchdown, Bills never got the ball. So, we have to, of course, we have to change the rules, as Patrick Mahomes reminded us. Uh, they changed the rule. How are they going to change the rules now? But uh, uh, 49ers win the coin toss. I think this is a fascinating decision by Kyle Shanahan. And I don't... He lost the game, so therefore it was the wrong decision. In the moment, <laughs> how it always goes, yeah. <laughs> in the moment, I don't. I, I know what the Chiefs would do because Andy Reid said so earlier today. I'm not sure it was a bad decision. It's the wrong decision. I don't know if it's a bad decision. What do the analyst? Are there analytics yes. on this? Because this hasn't happened in the postseason. We've never had a, uh, a situation quite like this where an overtime game is played under these new rules. Yeah, it's fascinating. So uh, I want to bring up the guy's name correct. Uh, Mike Lopez, he works with the NFL. And when they came up with these, uh, he's Senior Director of Football and Data Analytics at the National Football League. Okay, So when they created these new rules, they wanted to make this as equitable as possible, basically. And you talked about the game where they won on the Travis Kelsey out and up in the 13-second game the Chiefs did, where they just got the ball received, marched down, scored the touchdown, and it was over with. Um, and I also want to encourage people to check out Sam McDowell. He wrote about this topic. He believes that Kyle Shanahan made the wrong decision. And, right. and, and I usually don't strongly disagree with Sam. In this case, I will say that the math actually says it's about 50-50. And one of the things Michael Lopez even sent teams to say, some teams asked him, like, what, what, are, what, is the number, what are the numbers saying here? Uh, and he basically said, you can argue either way. Uh, if, if you look at the different sides of it, you can kind of come to your own conclusion. But um, the advantage we know that if you want to play defense first, kind of like college football, is you know what you need after the other team has their possession. And so for the Chiefs in particular, fourth and one, right away when they knew they were down three, they go for it automatically. If that was the first possession, who knows what they do, that sort of thing. So you mentioned the Patrick Mahomes point, which he said on television today, which is if the uh, 49ers had scored a touchdown, the Chiefs were going to get the ball. If they scored their touchdown, they were going for two so that it would not be a new possession, and yep. then whoever scores next wins. So that would be a smart analytic play to do that, just to, mm -hmm. you know, it's not a 50-50 game anymore if the other team is receiving the football. What it doesn't take into account, though, is this. What if the 49ers get a field goal, and then the Chiefs get a field goal? Right. Then Kyle Shanahan's the, the genius. That's exactly right. Because he gets the ball racked. Or what if... Both and, teams, and it's sudden death. We, we have established that. Exactly. What the if third both, possession is sudden death. If both teams punt. Right. Again, the 49ers get the advantage. Yep. So that is the slim margin here. You're talking about the Chiefs knowing that they need to chase three points. They have to go for on fourth down. You get that advantage. But what, and potentially, you know, then you can go for two if the other team scores a touchdown. Weighed against what if both teams punt? What if both teams score three? If that happens, you give the advantage back to the 49ers. So uh, I'm, I'm with you, Blair. We live in the real world. Obviously, we're all going to talk about this because it's a fascinating discussion. I think that they made this rule because it's a fascinating discussion, something for us uh, to kind of weigh back and forth. But I do not think it was the wrong decision. I think potentially what I would criticize, if anything, it sure sounded like in the post game, and maybe we need to learn more from the 49ers here. It's not like the Chiefs knew exactly what they were going to do, like from training camp. Yeah, that yes. Mike Frazier, their analytics guy, came and said, let's figure this out. Let's talk to Patrick Williams. Let's talk to Andy Reid. Okay, when this happens seven months down the line, we know what we're going to do, whereas some of the 49ers were saying that they were reading the video board, the rules, as it was popping up in the Super Bowl. 
And so, uh, again, I, I think this is where you have to give the Chiefs credit because some other teams have bigger analytics departments than the Chiefs. Some other teams have more resources at their disposal. The Chiefs were prepared. They were ready, and, and that's a credit to Mike Frazier. So if he's going to get a shout-out, he gets one here because the Chiefs knew what they were going to do and they were ready for the situation, and there was no hesitation on what was going to happen no matter the scenario that played out. To me, if you're going to take the ball first, if you have the ball first, now under any, whatever circumstance you get the ball first, I think it has to change your mindset a little bit, and you have to be more aggressive. Yeah, could I, be. I do. And, and so when the, when the 49ers faced fourth and four from the nine and decided to – I believe that was the scenario, fourth and four from the nine, and they decided to kick the field goal, I think that was a mistake. Um, hindsight, of course, is twenty twenty. Yeah. They had gone for a fourth down early on the on the final drive of regulation um, uh, and, and converted right. And the, the Shanahan is known as one of the most conservative. No, no, no. He's, he's conservative. He's on the other end. He's been one of the most conservative coaches. He went for that fourth down and coached him because he got it. And then that you know obviously up the 49ers out. You know it makes me wonder too, Blair. We have to mention this. Uh, we already did, but how much does the Harrison Bucker factor play into this because you're right going forward on fourth and fourth and nine sounds like a good proposition except where did the Chiefs need to get it to well, to try a field goal I mean the 40 yeah. like like yes he already kicked a 57 yarder 58 yarder I mean and kicked uh, a 69 yarder in warm-ups and told me after the game he thought he could have made it from 72 it, he tried and made it from there was different reports out there 69 or 70 yeah. in pregame so I think if you're the 49ers that changes your thought process like okay you give the ball to the Chiefs back on the nine if you don't get it. For most mortal kickers, you got to go 60 yards. For this guy, 40? Right. I mean, right. if you mid, get to the 50. Mid, midfield. If you get to 50, you got a 67 yard. Now, again, you miss that if you're the Chiefs. You're <coughs> you giving you, the ball you, back to the 49ers, but like. Game's over. At that basically. point, um, Harrison probably gives you a lot of confidence that he's able to do some things. And those perfect conditions, no wind indoors. I, I don't know what kicking balls they had out that day, but the ball was flying definitely at Legion on yeah. uh, yesterday. Here's another factor, um, and it's the Patrick Mahomes factor here. Do you want Patrick Mahomes to be a three-down quarterback or a four-down quarterback? Mm-hmm. Because if he has the ball first, he's a three-down quarterback. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, that's yeah. the advantage. That's You give Patrick Mahomes an extra down, then and, – and look what he did. On fourth and one, he, he has the, the, the seven-yard gain and uh, keeps the drive alive in overtime. I, I think that – has to factor in. Here's the fascinating thought experiment to me. So Chiefs went three plays, nine yards, fourth and one on the 34. What's, what if that's the first possession? Now, I mean, the numbers guy and me, I'm telling you, you have to go I think Andy it. goes for I think it. you but have to go for it. But, but what does he do? But what if, what if it's fourth and three? <laughs> what does he do? Exactly. Right, from there. Uh, so I think fourth and one, he still would have gone for it. But it's the same situation where it's like you're looking at this in your mind and you're going, if you don't get this, it's game over. I mean, you're giving 49ers yes. the ball on the 34 with and a they kicker had, who's hard made two 50 yarders. And they've been they've been stuffed a couple of times on third and shorts and ended up punting the ball away, Pacheco, uh, in the running game. I think he would have gone for it, but... <laughs> but it, ch- I, it changes where, where I, you have the ball first I know, I know he'd have to think about it. You know what I mean? I, I know, and based on history, like, listen, Andy Reid is not... He used to be super aggressive in the homes. He's kind of gone away from that recently. He's not been as aggressive. Right. I mean, we saw that with one of the long, the, the long field goal attempt from Harrison Bucker where he didn't go for it. Um, so, anyway, it is fascinating, but that really does change your mindset where uh, if you know you just got to go for it, that's one deal. But if you're kind of caught in the situation, that's sort of uh, where the 49ers were. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Jesse, you, um, you brought it up earlier. Let's talk about it a little bit, uh, the legacy and what, what the winning a consecutive Super Bowl in three and five years means for the Chiefs. Both Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are asked about it uh, on, on Monday morning at the kind of the formal trophy presentation. Um, Andy Reid, I thought, had a good answer, and it's the right answer that it's not for him. Don't ask him if he thinks the Chiefs are a dynasty. It's not for the team to decide. It's really for the for us, really. Yeah. The, uh, journalists and, and other people that talk about it a lot and to whom it's important. Uh, I, I wrote a story before the playoffs that the Chiefs needed to win the Super Bowl and make it three and five years to to – for their team to be considered a dynasty, it's there. Um, but what's what's really compelling is they're still at the they're still in the first half, as you mentioned earlier, of Patrick Mahomes' career. You know, he Tom Brady went for what twenty two seasons. Patrick Mahomes is technically his seventh, but sixth as a starter. He is no, you know, maybe a little over a third of the way. You know. Through his career, it's amazing what can be out there for him. He has matched um, in in playoff victories and now Super Bowl championships. Uh, nobody has accomplished more in, uh, in in a time span than Mahomes has. I'm going to trust DraftKings numbers here, but let's just run them down, okay? Um, they're saying if Patrick Mahomes plays as long as Tom Brady. This would be the comparison if it remains comparable what he does now. Now, again, he's in peak form now. You probably can't anticipate toward the end of his career. Maybe not as good, but again, Brady won one late. Yep. <laughs> won one late that oh. we know about against the Chiefs, obviously. Um, Super Bowl wins, Mahomes 11-7. to Regular season wins, Mahomes 287 to Brady 251. Uh, regular season passing touchdowns, 862 to 649. <laughs> Regular season pass yards, 111,000 to 89,000. Playoff wins, 55 to 35. Playoff passing touchdowns, 150 to 88. And playoff pass yards, 18,000 to 13,000. <laughs> well, when I hear those numbers, I, I, <laughs> I marvel at how good Tom Brady is and how much, how far ahead he is of, of, of anybody else. And, and I, heard, I heard this recently, and I thought it was a good, uh, good way to break it down. Tom Brady had three Hall of Fame careers. He had his first mm-hmm. five or six, which he won three Super Bowls, but the, that was a defensive-oriented team. He had these middle nine or ten where he didn't win a Super Bowl, but he put up these incredible numbers that would have gotten Hall of Fame numbers. And then at the end, <clears throat> he had four more Super Bowl wins, another Hall of Fame span of his career. So I, that's what you're shooting for. I think, if nothing else, for Mahomes, I thought until yesterday he was chasing Brady. And given health now, I think Brady's behind. I, I, I mean... Well, in, if, the, in the race from where, where they both are at, at this juncture of their careers. Yeah, I, I just... No doubt Mahomes I, is ahead of Brady. Mahomes is ahead. And... You know, you hear this narrative, and it's true. The Chiefs won one they shouldn't have won this year. 
Yeah. I mean, we talked the whole year about how flawed they were. How they need a receiver. They should have gone and got more receivers. They, you know, the, the tackles are struggling. You know, the defense is good, but they aren't winning the right way because you know they haven't won in this particular way. And it's sort of like they got the one back that they gave away in the AFC Championship game against the Bengals a few years back, where that one that team had a better chance to win the Super Bowl than this one. Um, but but this is what the Chiefs are like. You put them in the game now, and all of a sudden. Anything can happen, and late in games, other teams start thinking you're going to win because you have one. And I'm going to date myself here, Blair, but but this is me growing up in the state of Kansas. Um, this could be even greater than this, but this reminds me of the Cowboys, um, the '90s Cowboys. Like you have, there was America's team. You know, the Chiefs are obviously striving to be the world's team yeah. now, but you've got the you know Jerry Jones and Michael Irvin and Tom Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith and all the stars and every weekend they're on TV and every weekend Fox has got their game and it's like you loved them or you hated them you know what I mean there was no in between you loved them or you hated them but they had so much success and they won all the Super Bowls and people got tired of them winning Super Bowls um and and now like like Chiefs have all that right like it's Mahomes it's Kelsey it's Taylor Swift, it's Andy Reid. I mean, I mean, the only part of this is the owners are different, obviously very different in how they, they go about things, which I think is a benefit to, to the Chiefs potentially because um, it probably is a better, more smoothly run operation than sometimes the circus that Dallas can become. But, um, but it's, it's just crazy to me because I remember, I mean, I was about 10 years old at the time, you know, and I, everybody cared about the Cowboys. You loved them, you hated them, but everybody cared. And then you were kind of frustrated because they just want everything. Well, they, they want everything. And that's where the Chiefs are now. That's why they embrace the villain role. And that's why um, you hear other teams' fans now. It's like they're getting a little sick of Mahomes being on the commercials. They're getting a little sick of Kelsey being on the commercials. They don't want to see Taylor Swift anymore. You know what it really is? They're tired of the Chiefs winning. And the Chiefs are winning a hell of a lot right now. And that has to be hard to deal with if you're these other franchises just gunning for one. And the Chiefs keep taking one after another after another in a five-year stretch. Well, I, I think you're, it's a good comparison because of the Cowboys' stretch. But it ended there. It ended after it did. five years. It did. Uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson left. They won another one under Barry Switzer. Mm-hmm. But Jimmy Johnson left. And that kind of changed the dynamic of the Cowboys. They haven't been, even been to an NFC title game since their last Super Bowl which was the what the ninety five season? A good reminder how fleeting this can be. Absolutely, absolutely. However, succeeded a few years later by the Death Star of the New England Patriots, which is a good mm-hmm. reminder with proper um, organization structure how long it can last. And you get the right quarterback, and you make the good decisions. And that's what we're going to talk about next: the the, the impending decisions that the Chiefs have to make. Um, you can keep this thing going. So let me ask you, let me put it to you this way. Um, the Chiefs have a, a big decision to make with Chris Jones. And, um, and so we'll, let's talk about that one specifically. But in the context of do the Chiefs gear their team toward winning a third straight Super Bowl at the expense of keeping the window open for you know, much longer? Yeah, no, I don't. That's not the way they've played this. Nope. And, I, and I continue to think they won't play it this way. Um, their mindset is to keep this thing open as long as possible. And the, the, the key pieces are Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and to a lesser extent, Travis Cussey. And um, it just made me think, Blair, of yesterday's game and the 2022 draft class. And when the Chiefs <laughs> actually did get draft picks. I mean, think about all the players yeah. in the game. Like, Trent McDuffie, 
game of his life, maybe the best oh, player on the field. Um, Sky Moore was active, but obviously had an injury late in the year. He didn't really do anything. Brian Cook was hurt. George Karloftis. Terrific game. Uh, terrific terrific game, game from him. Leo Chanel. Fourth round pick. Third I, round pick. Maybe the you, best. I'm sorry. Third round. Maybe the best player in the game. I thought he, I thought he was fantastic. I thought it was the best game of his Chiefs career. Blocked an extra point. Stuffed the, we, we talked all week. I talked all week. 49ers. They're going to be able to run at the Chiefs. they got to run at the Chiefs. You know why they couldn't run at the Chiefs? Leo Chanel and Mike Pinnell reliving, <laughs> regaining his right. form from five years ago and suddenly becoming one of the biggest defensive forces uh, the Chiefs have out there. But to continue the point, I mean, Joshua Williams got out there, uh, didn't have his best game, made a special teams play, but a fourth rounder. Jalen Watson, you talked about, uh, seventh, seventh round pick, uh, recovers a fumble, plays in there. And, and this is what we're going to probably talk about with LeJerry C, which makes it complicated for the Chiefs because they've got some corners that they, they've got behind yeah. LeJerry Sneed that are pretty darn good that they've developed. So, um, but, but this is talking about the bigger point. The Chiefs have the second youngest adjusted age defense in the National Football League. And that's how you win. I mean, that, that's how you do this thing is that you draft well, you scout well, you develop well, and all of a sudden, Mahomes, has he proved this year, he doesn't – I think like, I think about like Aaron Rodgers. You know, Aaron Rodgers lost Devontae Adams, and since then, mm-hmm. didn't work. Mm-hmm. Mahomes, things weren't working this year. They didn't have the receivers. It wasn't going right. They found a way to make it work, and he found a way to make himself make it work even if it wasn't the way he's played quarterback in the past, or maybe even to the fullest potential he can play quarterback. He can throw the ball downfield. He hasn't done it because it's not best for this team. So I just think they have such a unique opportunity because they have a, a brilliant offensive mind. They have a, a GM and sounding staff that has shown itself to be able to be successful in the draft and make those guys work. They have coaches on the defensive shine who have shown the ability to develop players and make them better and then they have a quarterback who not only is so amazing at his position and such a great leader, but he's shown that he will try to work himself around the pieces around him, which is sort of what you have to have when you're making that much of the salary cap. So uh, it's a long one to answer your question, but no, I, I think the Chiefs continue operating where they are. Going back to the Chris Jones discussion, I think it's the same spot as last year, which is they can fit him in the budget. They're going to make him an offer. But... It's got to be on the Chiefs' terms. You know what right. I mean? They, they're right. not going to pigeonhole themselves in because Chris Jones thinks he needs to be the highest-paid guy. If Chris Jones wants to continue to go for the three-peat and run it back, the Chiefs will have a contract offer out there for him. If he wants to rewrite the market for defensive tackles, the Chiefs will probably wave him goodbye and, and let him go play for the Bears. And so that's, that's kind of where this thing is at. But what the Chiefs have and the money they do have – this offseason, like, they spent it on Drew Tranquil. They spent it on Mike Edwards. They spent it on these guys that filled in the gaps. Charles Amenahu. They signed all these guys. They will make the most of their money. And because of that, they will not be – they will not spend it fruitlessly. And so um, that's an interesting conversation with Chris Jones. We talked to Brad Beach. He obviously said still uh, – before the Super Bowl, he said it was still, you know, top of their radar screen, top of their priority list to try to get him signed. It's obviously something you have to say before the Super Bowl. So uh, I wouldn't put too much stock in that. But the Chiefs be in these discussions? Yes. Will they be the top of the market? I don't think so. But that's going to be up to Chris Jones to decide what he wants to do. All right, so they're going to have to make decisions on Chris Jones, uh, Legereus Sneed, as you mentioned. Of course, they can franchise tag him, and I think that's a, that's a strong possibility. Mm-hmm. But also Willie Gay, Drew Tranquil, uh, Mike Dana, Derek Nottie. I, I'm, I'm not sure of that group how many are in Chiefs uniforms next year. I would, ha- I would think that Drew Tranquil will be. 
I'm not so sure about Nadi and, and, and Mike Dana. Um, look, how about the play Felix and Udike Uzama had in the Super Bowl? He dropped McCaffrey for a four-yard loss. There's your replacement for, for Mike Dana. How about Mike Pinnell as a replacement for Derek Nadi? Probably about the same age. I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> But a lot cheaper. Um, I think he's. I think Mike's older, but I, I, he he drank the in Space Jam. There's like the Michael Jordan uh, secret sauce, the secret juice. He uh, he drank the secret juice before the game because he's 32, but uh, he played about 22 uh, in that game and was just a force for the Chiefs. And uh, I mean, what a great story! A local kid grew up in Kansas. Um, you know, Sam wrote a great piece about him earlier on. We. Uh, you know, battled the medical condition earlier on, um, uh, you know, in Kansas and, and battled through it. But, man, to think he would be a top three player defensively for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl uh, or top four player, uh, I wouldn't have seen that on my bingo card coming in. So it's a credit to him. Just real quick, Derek Nani is 27. So Okay. Oh, um, there is a big difference. There's a big difference. But, uh, you know, I don't I mean, heck, if. if Mike Pinnell finds that fountain of youth, then uh, it'd be worth thinking about. But uh, the other guys... I mean, I think Willie Gay knows kind of the boat that he's in. He sort of spoke to it online, yeah, it seemed yeah, like, right. in the last few weeks. Um, seemed, the thing is, the Chiefs have been wise with these sorts of things because off-ball linebackers are things you can get in free agency for pretty cheap. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's one of those positions where you can wait in free agency, see what falls to you, and go from there. Now, um, it seems to me that probably Drew Tranquil is a little bit more versatile than Willie because he would obviously bike up back up the mic position and he seemed to enjoy this but uh we'll see on that one sneed is an interesting one blair um training camp one of the biggest blows of training camp was nazi johnson going down yeah yeah we With we forget all about him acl injury he was third on the depth chart <laughs> That's right. at cornerback i mean they they, they they really liked him there comes a point so he's back next year um, and they obviously drafted Nick Jones, another cornerback mm-hmm. who played a lot of special teams for him. There comes a certain point where the Chiefs, I mean, it's a great problem to have, but like, if you can just churn out cornerbacks, you got to figure out what you're doing. And, and are you going to trade the back end guys? Or are you going to let LeJarrius Seed walk and use that money elsewhere because you feel good about Joshua Williams in his third year? And Jalen Watson his third year, and Nazi Johnson, who had outplayed both of them in training camp, and then potentially the development of Nick Jones. It feels like LeJarrius needs a perfect fit here because the Chiefs play so much man defense, and they feed off of his physicality, and obviously his leadership and his swag and all those sorts of things. So uh, that'll be an interesting one for the Chiefs. It's just, it's a really great problem to have, but they got too many corners. They do. And so if they do resign LeJarrius Sneed, it, it feels like they have to use that depth to their advantage in some particular way. And so I don't know if that involves a trade or, or doing something else, but um, that, is a, that is an embarrassment of wealth they have on that particular side when you've got Trent McDuffie, Joshua Williams, and Jalen Watson all going into the third years, plus Nazi Johnson going into his third year, plus development of guys underneath them, plus a potential LeJarrius Sneed. So that one, the math gets a little bit interesting to me. Um. There was so much to discuss today, uh, and we, we didn't even talk about the offense and the need for uh, upgrading a wide receiver, which I, I think they'll make something of a priority. Let's save that for another show. Um, this, is the, this is the last show of the 2023 season. The next one will be the first show of the 2024 season, and it will come sooner than we, uh, than we expect. Uh, but before, before going, um, uh, I, w- I want to say – the first day of training camp for the Chiefs last year, 
was July 18th. Early. July 18th. <laughs> it was the earliest they'd ever been yep. because they won the Super Bowl and, and, and played the th- and had got to play the Thursday night game, which means they get to training camp early. Mm-hmm. Well, I believe we'll be going to training camp early again because they'll be playing the Thursday night, you know, lid lifter. And um, who knows who it's going to be. Um, but, but it'll be another long season. But what, what an incredible journey, this team. I mean, to think of the ups and downs. Um, I referenced this in the story, but like the Netflix special where Mahomes is backstage at Jimmy Kimmel and he's, you know, he's talking to his wife, Brittany, and going, you know, you thought that was tough. Just, just wait till you think about trying to repeat. But like, if only he could have known, like the trials and tribulations of this year. I mean, week 15, 16, 17, with the losses they had and they're disconjointed and they're yeah. disjointed and don't know what they're, I mean, can't line up right, can't catch the ball. For that team to turn around and win a Super Bowl and turn around that quickly, uh, what a story and for them to turn into sort of the NFL's villains and embracing that role, embracing the underdog. Uh, what a season and to cap it off in, with an overtime game in the Super Bowl. Um, wow, I mean, I, you're sitting there and you kind of think in the moment and, and you, you know, it, it's all coming so fast, but it's like, what are we going to talk about in 20 years? You know, what are you going to talk to? You were at that Super Bowl. You were with that team. And so um, an amazing journey for obviously these Chiefs and obviously all the credit in the world to them and the coaching staff, everybody staying together. But uh, this one was not as easy as last one. Last year was not easy. This one was definitely not as easy as that one. They went through a lot of fire through that one, but I think that's probably why the, the reason they came out on the other end. We're definitely in the golden era of Chiefs football, and, uh, and I've had an incredible time working with you and Vahe Gregorian, Sam McDowell, Jeff Rosen, Scott Chase, and Pete Radhoff, everybody, the photographers, um, so many people back at at, uh, at the Star and at KansasCity.com. It's just been such a pleasure working with you. It's my first time back on the beat full time in a couple of years. Um, and look, they just picked up where they left off, going to Super Bowls and winning Super Bowls. It's it's an amazing organization. So, all right, uh, let's let's have another conversation at least in a couple of weeks. Let's take a few days off anyway. Uh, go to a parade. Go parading. It's a parade. <laughs> All right, Jesse. Thanks a lot. That'll do it for this episode. A shout out to producer Randy Mason and a big thanks to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen for all their hard work during the season and really all the time. Salute to Jesse Newell for sharing his thoughts and to our columnist, Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell, who were working their way back to Kansas City when we recorded this show. I hope you enjoyed our coverage of the Super Bowl and through the playoffs and all season as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. Plenty more awaits on KansasCity.com and in the print editions of The Star. Thanks for listening. Hey, listen, if you like what you heard, please give us a review. We'll be back soon on Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in and around Kansas City.